0: You are listening to Living That Life podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and on YouTube.com Living That Life for amazing travel videos. View discretion is advised. Saigon! We're with Brandon. Check out the view. Pullman Hotel, Saigon. Pullman's where I went to college. Washington State, shout out Wazoo. Shout out Pullman, everybody in Pullman. You want to be a digital nomad, you're talking to the right people. Brandon's a digital nomad. I met him in Saigon. I'm a digital nomad first year digital nomad, but you are a digital nomad vet. and uh, I met him on Thanksgiving at the Digital Nomad uh, kind of Thanksgiving dinner in All Saigon. Right. And I wanted to hear your story because you've been doing this thing for a minute a little bit. So where are you, where are you from and what's your online business real quick? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from Boston, I'm just outside
1: of Boston, a little city called Brockton. And um, my business as it stands right now, it's primarily an AdWords consultancy. So I work with different clients in the U.K. and the U.S. that want to sell something using paid traffic. And we create the entire funnel for them.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing because there's a lot of uh, businesses out there that have no idea how to do this type of stuff. And you're, you're the wizard. Um, so needless to say, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, uh, you're okay. out here. You just ordered a ten dollar drink. Oh my gosh! So that's coming soon. Uh, I just ordered a five dollar beer. This is one of the nicest uh, rooftop bars uh, in Saigon. Um, so yeah, I want to hear a little bit about your story. You said you got it start. You got started with Yahoo ads. Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So how old were you when you started your online business? And what inspired you to get into online business?
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess like a lot of nomads, I was inspired by Tim Ferriss.
0: Oh, yeah, for our work week. Read that. Read yeah. that. That's
1: yeah, the Bible, man. it's the Bible. That was my, uh, my, my first time starting to see that there was another way that I could live. It you know, showed me a different angle that I could take to life. And at the time, I was working as a salesman. I was working for a company called Mimecast, dialing for dollars, 200 calls a day. You know, it was fine. You know, it was enough to pay the bills and, and keep me living all right in Boston. But I knew that I wanted more. So on my lunch break, I bought a ticket to South America, again, inspired by Tim Ferriss. You're a beast. And uh, shot down to South America. The original plan was to stay down there for just a few months. You know, I wanted to get away from everything I knew to kind of figure out what I wanted to do next. And after going down to South America, I realized that it was a lifestyle that I wanted to hold on to. Traveling is just so dope. You meet so many cool people, see so many things. And um, it adds flavor to life. So uh, once my savings started running out, I had to figure out a way to make money. Yeah. And uh, that kind of got me into the online game.
0: So how old were you at this point?
1: I left the States when I was
0: 23, and maybe you... 24. So you dropped out of college? I did. So you dropped out of college after how many years? One year. After after your freshman year? Yeah. And you were 23?
1: No, 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 no. You so between of, 19 and 23 when I was in South America, I was working in sales. So my first real career when I was 19 was in real estate. Okay. Uh, I worked for a company called Exit Realty and I was banging, dial- banging yeah. doors, banging doors all day, you know?
0: So That's that my dog. No, I was knocking doors for five years, guys. I knocked doors for five years. You yeah, did the same shit. Absolutely. For real estate. I actually just closed a real estate deal this week. I've been in <laughs> Saigon for three months and I just closed one that I knocked on a guy's door in 2014. Somewhere <laughs> in 2014, just closed. Dude. Foreclosure short sale, I think, forever. Yeah. Anyways, right. So yeah, sure you're knocking not. doors, saving
1: money up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my opinion, if you if you're gonna get into the online space, there's a little better education you could get than than sales. Like you'll notice a lot of digital nomad types have some type of background in sales, direct sales, just because you learn how persuasion works. You learn how what it looks like to make a sale, like what, what elements go into that. Yeah. So my university was no different. I dropped out of university and I started working in sales. But the thing about sales, while it's a great training ground and some people do very well, you're naturally capped. There's a sailing because there's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And um, I wanted to remove that sailing, so. Yeah.
0: Hendrix Gin on the Rocks. Hendrix Gin on the Rocks. We just got our drinks, guys. We're back. And I just got a tiger. This is 100,000 uh, 100, Vietnam down which is five bucks. That's 200. 200,000 um,
1: for this. Cheers to
0: Digital Nomad Lifestyle, man. Cheers. It's a miracle. Uh, Oh, that's so good. So we were just talking about... You were knocking doors for real estate. Right. And you realized that direct sales is good. You can make good money, but there's only 24 hours a day. Hence, online business is way better. So how did you... So how many years after college were you working um, before you went to South America? So that was has to, has to be about four years. Four years. Yeah, I give a s- take. You saved up. So how much did you save up when you booked your ticket and put your job and you went?
1: I had six grand in the bank when I left the, the U.S. And you moved to where? Flew into Peru. Uh-huh. So I flew into Lima, and I split my time down there. I was down in South America for two years total. And I split that time between Peru, Ecuador, Argentina,
0: and Bolivia. Peru, Ecuador, Argentina, Bolivia. So Peru, Ecuador, Argentina, Bolivia. Right. And you kind of backpacked between all those places. Mhm. How was that? It was
1: amazing, man. Amazing. Like I made so many life-changing experiences there. You know and when you're able to travel long term which is what our lifestyle allows you're able to get a different type of experience than somebody just flying in for a week you, know, you get to meet locals, you, know, you have romantic relationships, you get to see the real country and um, it, it just changes everything it changes the perspective, it changes changes everything
0: it's a complete 180 There's, it's a different universe taking a two week Tim Ferris T-O-O-W-E-A-K Two week typical corporate vacation and actually living somewhere for a few months. Exactly. The romantic relationships, that making local friends, the getting in the, the local scene. Um, it's complete 180. So you're running out of money and you're like, shit, I need to figure out a way to continue this lifestyle because obviously you realize it's so dope. This is amazing. This is your first time out of the country, Um, you know, really, other than your uh, school, you went to Europe?
1: Yeah, yeah, when I was a teenager, we went to the United Kingdom. So I bounced around there for three months, summertime.
0: Oh, that's not bad.
1: Yeah, it was a company called, I don't even know, they actually might still be alive. It's called uh, People to People, Student Ambassadors. The idea behind this program was to exchange culture between different countries. So they took a bunch of people from the states, ship them over to the United Kingdom, and you spent some time between the different countries out there. And I know every year, back then every year, they would go to a different country. My cousin later on ended up going to Australia through the same program, but um, that was actually my first experience outside of the states, and it's uh, when I got bit by the travel bug. Yeah. After that, I knew. It I definitely to opens
0: travel. your mind, y- even if you guys can take a one-week vacation to Europe, like, it's definitely way better than nothing.
1: Absolutely. It's ten
0: times better than nothing. Because it opens your mind, like, okay, there's so many little things that we can't even explain that are so different that just turn you on. Like they say, like the philosophers say, when your mind, Jason Silva, when your mind has mapped your environment so many times, it literally turns off to your environment. So that's why travel... When we're constantly surrounded by new things, new environments, new senses, our brain is constantly awake in this type of lifestyle. It's not repetitive, and I'm sure everyone can relate. We all have had those repetitive day-to-day jobs. So your mind got kind of open to travel, and that was in high school. Yeah. Okay, so you, you believe in high school, and not many people have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to South America, you're running out of money. How did you decide... What inspired you to start the online business? How did you figure out what to do? You, you tried a bunch of stuff. You said uh, earlier that your first business was not smart. What was that? Yeah.
1: So straight out of college, uh, when I was in high school, I made a lot of music. You know, I was deep into the hip-hop scene in Boston. That was my thing. And um, when I was in college, I went for business management, and my plan was to create a record label. Fuck yeah. Uh, Pison Entertainment, actually. Uh, so that was my first taste of, of business, or starting to wrap my mind around the concepts in our business. Uh, this was before the before we had access to direct access to an audience like we do now. Yeah. And back then, we still had the gatekeepers that are the record labels. Yeah. And uh, this was before YouTube and, and all of that. You know, so uh, it wasn't the smartest business move. Uh, that didn't really take off. Uh, but that was my first taste. Um, my first taste of, of direct response marketing was later on when I got into real estate. So this was around 19 or 20. Um, banging on doors, and as I mentioned, I wanted to figure out a way to remove the sailing. I was walking through Barnes & Noble and ended up in the marketing section and came across a book by Dan Kennedy. And this was uh, No BS, uh, Direct Response Marketing, whatever wow. it was called. And uh, yeah, that got me into sales copywriting and using media to reach more than one person so a direct sale is always one to one when you're using media like direct mail or running ads online or the Amazon platform you're able to reach thousands of people at once Yeah. so it removes that selling
0: it's magical so magical going from knocking a door to someone is literally right now as we speak on my Amazon listing on his ads clicking on them and we're just drinking a beer and drinking a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I can see this story coming together. You're in Barnes & Noble. Isn't there a part in the 4-Hour Workweek where Tim Ferriss was in Barnes and & Noble and he stumbled upon some book? And anyways, if you haven't read or listened to the 4-Hour t- Workweek, do that. You can come back to this video later. Go get it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can finish watching this. But, uh, so you found that book, you read it, and then that kind of opened your mind to the marketing world, right, right. and then what was your, you're back in South America, mm-hmm. what business did you start there, how did you start, where did you start, what you do?
1: Yeah, so because of everything I had learned through Dan Kennedy and all of the branches that came out of that, Gary Halbert and all these other sales copywriters, eventually I found out about this industry that is affiliate marketing, and at the time, the biggest or at least the most respected forum at the time was called Wicked Fire, Wickedfire.com it still exists
0: ah, um, it's not holding the same out.
1: repute uh, but at the time it was a big deal and I knew that this affiliate marketing thing existed and I wanted to take a crack at it and I was doing my research and I was on this website Wickedfire.com and they had a section called uh, buy seller trade basically people would come on there and they would sell services and they'd sell info products or whatever and uh, one of the members had a ad up uh, that mentioned that he was uh, he was running a freelance writing business and he had more work that he could handle and he was looking for help. And I had spent my entire teenage years writing every day, uh, so I figured I'd take a crack at it. And I reached out to him and uh, he actually ended up being from Boston, which was a weird coincidence. Wow. And uh, he just started throwing me his, his runoff work and I built out a reputation started going out and finding my own clients. So my very first uh, my very first iteration was as a sales copywriter. So I write articles, I write ads, I write everything for businesses that needed content.
0: That's crazy, and you're still doing that. Yeah, in a different way, in a different way, definitely. You got, so you, technically your first business was freelancing. Yeah. You picked up freelance work, mm-hmm. and you found them on Wicked Fire. And there's plenty of places for people to find freelance work now. Yeah, Elance, Upwork, uh, Mm -hmm. Fiverr.com, sales copywriting. And then, how long did it take for you to, were you making enough money right away to keep living in South America? Where'd you go from there?
1: Yeah, it was. um, Not immediately. Uh, Just off of his runoff, I was able to pick up maybe 50% of what I was spending. Uh, but once I started adding my own clients to the mix, I had more than enough to live in South America. The dopest thing about being down there is it's just dirt cheap. So you know? cheap. It's cheap. How much cheap. Did you
0: spend, uh, were you spending per month living down there?
1: Uh, to be honest, it's been so long now, I don't even remember. But I do know it was it had to be around a grand U.S. Yeah, yeah, more yeah, or less. That's
0: typical, guys. You can yeah. live in a grand U.S. in a lot of countries. Yeah. Asia, South America. Um, not even, none of us that uh, lived in Africa. Might go there soon a friend living there. Uh, So how long did you stay in South America? You were all of a sudden, now you are working remotely, you're a freelancer, and this is when you're what, 24, 25 now?
1: Yeah, yeah, so this was, I think I started, I went to South America when I was about 23, give or take, but I didn't start freelancing immediately, I had to run out of money first, so it took about a year for that. So um, then I was down there for another year after I started working.
0: So, how, what year was this? This was,
1: let's see, was about six years ago now. So,
0: what is it now? 2015. Like 2010, like, like 20, yeah. 2009? 2009, 2009 Wow. Somewhere around that. And at this point, you, you had already read the four hour work week. Yeah. So, you spent another year down in South America. So, you were down there for two years? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, did you move back to Boston? Where would you go from there? I
1: did. So, after South America, I went back to Boston for a few years. And uh, that was just another pivot, as a matter of fact. Um, freelance copywriting is actually something I recommend for most people that want to start living this type of lifestyle. Yeah. Just because it's super easy. Um, there's no startup costs. Yeah. No, the only real startup cost is time invested in learning a skill. Yeah. If you could get a specialized skill, you could start making money anywhere.
0: Dude, I really thought about doing that because I'm experienced in copywriting just through knocking doors. I used to write my own flyers Mm -hmm. and tape them on their door, literally, with scotch tape. And, you know, you got one page to get them to call you back. And it's the words that you put on there that are going to decide that. So my kind of, without even knowing it, my copyright mind has been... Has been growing since Mm -hmm. I've been knocking doors. And now I copyright on a daily basis because I I write the copy for the Amazon page. I write the Amazon product titles, I write the bullet points, I write the descriptions. You have a few paragraphs to get someone to click add to cart and your Amazon product to buy your selfie stick. (laughs) Buy my fucking selfie stick. That's basically what I say. I say, buy this motherfucker or I am going to come to your house and make you have No. (laughs) No, no, no. You just. You, you kind of put your own personality into into your words and stuff. And we both have a background in direct sales. So it just kind of comes naturally um, if you have a sales background. Absolutely. You know, what to put on there. Yep. So in an alternate universe, I'm also a freelance uh, copywriter. Um, I actually went on some freelance sites and started a profile and put copywriting as my thing. But I never got to the point where I needed that because... I met the right people that were doing Amazon. And so now I'm full-time in Amazon. But I definitely could have could have done that. And that's good to say that you recommend it. So people out there who don't have a lot of money to invest, you know, in the Amazon thing, freelance copyright right there. Yeah. Uh, so you went back to Boston for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Did you, a years. Did you you get a job there? A years? No. No, I was still you doing still the sales copyright and stuff. Yeah. So why did you choose to, to uh, stay in Boston? Why were you not... Uh, just hopping between country and country.
1: Because I needed to, uh, the thing that you start finding out when you are moving around a bit is, it's easy to maintain what you're doing if you have something in place while you're moving around constantly. And this might be a personal thing, an individual thing, but it's easier, sometimes you need some type of stability behind you if you want to make a creative leap. If you want to see a different angle than what you already have and that's what i wanted to get i needed to i knew that i wanted to take another pivot um, sales copywriting was a great entrance into online the online space but um, just like sales direct sales there is a sailing there because you are still the the main gear yeah. in the system yeah, yeah. and i wanted to figure out what i could do that would kind of remove some of that burden so um, I went back to Boston where I was comfortable, where I had a lot of friends and family. I uh, got situated and started figuring out what the next step was, what the next level was.
0: So, so how did you, uh, what was the moment that it clicked that wow, now I can start making money automated, in an automated system? How did yeah, you so, <laughs> as Automation? I mentioned. Yeah, dude, yeah. I
1: mentioned the uh,
0: best. Yo, that's cheers in Vietnamese. Y'all don't know. <laughs> Coming from two hip hop heads, speaking Vietnamese, saying "yo." <laughs> yes, sir.
1: <laughs> um, so
0: automation, how
1: that? Yeah, dude. So, like I mentioned, at the time I was still, I was still researching affiliate marketing and trying to figure out how that space worked. And my very first automated sale was running ads on Yahoo. Um, back when Yahoo was still their own standalone platform before they merged with Bank, So this is like was like around
0: 2010,
1: 11, 12? Right, right. I actually it was in a, like a super niche. I was selling an info product to beekeepers uh, on Bee ClickBank. Yeah, ClickBank.com. That was my first sale. I, okay,
0: ClickBank. Yeah, bank, yeah,
1: dude. So I set up a, like a squeeze page, and I was collecting email addresses, and I had a small back-end sequence like four or five emails Uh and um, basically linking out to this info product and uh... that was my first taste of what was possible because i could just set once i set that up it was just running until uh... bids started going up on yahoo Um, yeah it was a viable option for me wow so uh... that was my first taste Uh and i kind of got deeper into the affiliate world from there Started with info products, and then I started getting into CPA type stuff. So uh, I was running dating for a while, adult yeah. dating and mainstream. Yeah. And I got really, really good at running paid traffic, and decided that I would start offering that as an option to clients. Ah. And uh, that kind of expanded out, and this gave me the option of automated income for two reasons. Uh, the difference between piecemeal freelance stuff and what I'm doing now, which is management, is number one with piecemeal stuff. You get paid once and that's it. Management, it's a recurring model. So you have a client, as long as you're doing a good job, they'll pay you over and over and over and over again, which gives you the margin that you need to start bringing in a team, surrounding yourself with other experts. And once you have a team, all of a sudden your time is now detached the business and it's an actual business instead of you running a show. Yeah.
0: So for people that don't know, uh, what is what is piecemeal uh, work?
1: So piecemeal is just like a, it's like a one-to-one type of a relationship. Say I have a business and I'm selling uh, tables and you're a sales copywriter. I would reach out to you. I would offer you 200 bucks to write a letter to help me sell this table. Once I pay you that 200 bucks, that's it. That's the end of our relationship. Now you compare that to a recurring revenue model. You bring in a client and it's a membership, essentially. So they pay you for ongoing services. You get that client once and they're yours as long as they're able to continue to deliver. So this lowers your acquisition cost. So if you're paying to get this client, you pay less because you only have to buy them once. And it also lowers the amount of time you have to give. So instead of constantly hustling to get new clients, you get your clients, you have your portfolio in place, and as long as you keep doing a good job when they stick around.
0: Wow, so you were kind of getting pretty good at doing the, uh, is it Google AdWords at this point?
1: Yeah, You're, you're good at
0: getting people searching on Google to where they want to be, right? You're good at putting what they want to find in front of their eyes, essentially. And So how did you find these recurring clients? What website or what, how would you find them?
1: Yeah, so my initial start was Elance. Elance? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Elance is disappearing now, they're merging with Upwork, but the idea is still the same. You have these freelance platforms where there's companies that are looking for people to help them. And it's a great way to start, man. I mean, these aren't gonna be the creme de la creme creme clients. Um, Usually the margins are smaller, but it's a fantastic way to start building a reputation. And if you're doing a good job with one person, They'll tell their friends, yeah. you know. Business owners, just like you and me, we're hanging out. Business owners hang out together. Yeah. So if you're doing a good job, they tell their friends, and when they tell their friends, you can gradually scale up your your fees. Wow!
0: Haha. So. so that was around maybe 2012 or something. You start to have you're on Elance. Yeah. Man, that was around 2012, huh? Mm-hmm. That was the beginning of stages, probably. Yeah. Of Elance. So freelance is huge, guys. You can get started freelancing. You can do it. Case in point, right here, Brandon. So, 2012 to now, um, so 2012, you, you have, you're have you making good client work. When did you start building a team or hiring people to kind of, this is still copywriting stuff, or no, this is Google AdWords stuff. Yeah. So now you bring on people to kind of set up the ad uh, campaigns for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how big was your team, how many people did you have?
1: Uh, it's never been super big. I mean, at the moment, it's just uh, two of us just two so of So, me, you right me and a media buyer. That's it. You know, I primarily focus on hustling, getting new clients, you know, and, and overview stuff. And um, she ends up doing most of the actual, you know, pulling the levers.
0: Media buyer. So, for people that don't know, that is uh, getting uh, ads for the offer to, to show up on websites around the, the internet?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, basically... When you look at something, a platform like AdWords, and there's a million of other other ones out there, like Facebook ads or display ads, um, this is just a media type. we call a media type, a paid media platform. A media buyer is somebody that manipulates that traffic for you. So if you're offering a management service, uh, you're essentially an outsourced media buyer. Um, my first team member and something I would recommend for most people that are looking to go a similar path is to start with a media buyer that can do the day-to-day work so that you can focus on uh, strategy. Strategy and sales,
0: that's where the real money's man Strategy and sales. Yeah. So, s- strategy as far as uh, like uh, copywriting, where to where to put the offer around the internet? Explain, go deeper into that. Yeah, what, sure. What is the, what's the secret to the strategy? What goes into that process?
1: So I would actually make a book recommendation, Um, somebody that dives into this a lot more than me. Um, It's called Work the System, and it's by a man named uh, Sam Carpenter. And he talks a lot about this, and basically it's the idea of standing above and beyond the documents that run your business so that you can work on the strategy. And essentially a business comes down to two different strategies. You have fulfillment, which is delivering the thing that you promise people you have sales, which is getting an audience to buy that thing that you're fulfilling. Yeah. When you're working in the business, which is the fulfillment side of things, it's very hard to focus on sales and it's very hard to focus on how to do both of these systems better because you're so busy making the donuts, so to speak. Um, with my particular business model, fulfillment is the buying of the media, media buying. So my first hire was a media buyer who could alleviate the time I needed to spend. You know, buying the ads, doing the optimizations, doing all the other stuff that goes into AdWords, so that I could focus on sales element and making the fulfillment element more um, streamlined, more efficient.
0: So you're you're kind of uh, you're kind of a salesman, the virtual salesman. Like you're, you're, are you still writing all the copy for these ads, designing the ads? If it's a picture or whatnot, mm-hmm. designing all that mm-hmm. stuff, getting people to mm-hmm. click on it once they see it, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so that was 2012. You had a, you had a, a one team member back in 2012. And you still do now. Yep. 2015, almost 2016. Merry Christmas and happy new year, everybody around the world. Uh, let's get back to travel. So 2012, you've been back in Boston uh, for a few years. What inspired you at that point to start traveling again? Um,
1: well, at that time, I, I felt pretty confident or comfortable in my business model I knew I had space to scale and there's an energy when you're traveling you know you don't meet you meet a different type of a person when you start coming to places like Saigon or Bangkok or Lima or La Paz and I wanted to reclaim that like, um, I feel like when you wanna make a real pivot in your business you have to surround yourself with the right people. Absolutely. So I wanted to get around right I wanted to get around those types of people again. Yeah.
0: So where did you go first when you left Boston this time?
1: Yeah, so I um, started on the West Coast. I went over to Vegas in January. Oh shit, oh god. there was conferences out there, affiliate conferences and so wow. forth. So I went out there and after that I went down to Mexico. I was kicking down in Mexico for a while. Um, shot over to Europe, spent a summer out there, Um you could only spend three months on a tourist visa in the EU, ah. so after three months I ran out of time, ah. left Europe, came over here to Asia. And, uh, wow, so
0: when did you, when was that when you first came to Asia?
1: Uh, what, it has to be about two months ago now.
0: Oh really? This is only your second month in Asia? I think so. Maybe a bit and more. And you were in Europe right before this? Yeah. And Mexico before that? Yeah. So this trip it has been how long
1: started in january so started in Jan- so you were in boston so
0: last christmas mm-hmm. oh shit so you were in boston mm-hmm. from like 2012 to 2014 mm-hmm. all the way through yeah Three and then you time. went to uh, mexico europe and uh, how did you choose where to go in asia and where did you go
1: yeah so my draw was uh, was a conference they had a conference in Bangkok. It's a great draw, guys. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. that be your
0: excuse at the conference. Yeah. yeah,
1: so look in the Dynamite Circle, fantastic organization. Dynamite they were holding, Circle, um, yeah. They were holding the DCBKK in, uh, in Bangkok. So I wanted to shoot out for that. And that was the only real reason I decided to come to Europe, uh, Part of me, and to, to Asia. Yeah. And um, yeah, I decided to stick around, shot off, went to Chiang Mai for a while, and uh, came over here Yeah. Vietnam.
0: What was your first impression of uh, Bangkok?
1: Bangkok's what, crazy, What surprised dude. you the most? Ah, uh, so much. So, I guess the first thing that stood out to me about Bangkok is how intense it is. Ah. You know, it's an intense place, man. It's uh, always on, always moving. I mean, it's just alive, man. It feels like its own organism.
0: Yeah, you know? like, it is, it is. And you could find anything there,
1: dude. Like, it's people walking around with scorpions on a skewer. Yeah, you know, like you go to ping pong shows if that's your your thing. <laughs> it's just anything, man, anything. Bangkok is a crazy, crazy place. Yeah.
0: So how long were you in Bangkok, and then when did you when did you go to Chiang Mai? I
1: was in Bangkok for about a week for the conference. Oh. And okay. I knew I wanted to stay in Asia for the next few months before the summer, uh, before the, the year ends. Uh-huh. Um, oh. And I wanted to compare between Chiang Mai, and Saigon. Yeah. So I went to Chiang Mai for three weeks. Came over here to Saigon. I planned on a month. Yeah. Uh, went back to Thailand last week and for two weeks. And yeah. Came back here and I'm going to be here for a couple of months.
0: Yeah. So uh, I got started uh, October 2014. I went to the Chiang Mai conference, the uh, Dropship Lifestyle E-commerce Conference. I quit my job just to go to that uh, and get started. Obviously, I'm still here because I was surrounded by other digital nomads, you know, just kind of figure things out together and make it work because everyone wants, it, wants to make it work. I love Chiang Mai. I was there for eight months and Chiang Mai is awesome. The weather is so nice. It's, it was literally blue sky. It did not see a drop of rain for the first three months from October to January. Blue sky. I was so tan, not like back to ginger pale like I am now because it's been cloudy. It's been a little bit overcast. It's the rainy season is, is coming to an end here in Saigon, but couldn't say enough good things about Chiang Mai. It's awesome. It's a small city feel, but it's still a city. It's still a big city. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still nightlife there. Uh, the food is great. Um, what do you think about Chiang Mai?
1: Yeah, Chiang Mai is cool, man. Chiang Mai is cool. Um, what I find is. Just like anywhere else, like I have a friend, uh, his name's John Myers, and one of the things he talks about, you can actually look him up, has a blog, uh, he talks about uh, location calculus, you know? and basically this is adding up and subtracting the different things that you would require when you choose a place to stay if you're doing the nomad thing. Uh, Chiang Mai was fantastic because it's beautiful and it's green and there's um, relatively clean air.
0: you got mountains in the backdrop. Everywhere you look look up, there's mountains. It's just so beautiful. Chiang Mai
1: is mesmerizing, you know? But um, it's also slower. It's a slower type of a place compared to a place like Bangkok or Saigon. So for myself personally, when it came to location calculus, uh, Saigon was a better fit for me. Just because uh, the way I'm built, I need speed, man. I need need uh, I need constant energy, I need constant muscle muscle, muscle. you find that hair in Saigon. So uh, that's why I chose Saigon over Chiang Mai, but I do recommend checking them both out because your temperament will tell you what place is, is going to be a better fit for you.
0: Yeah. So, as we look at this beautiful view of uh, Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon. Wow. Just taking it in right now. This is my last day in Saigon, guys, so it's kind of bittersweet. I'm headed up to the beach in uh, Nha Trang, which is apparently the number one party beach. Uh, So if you want to watch that video, subscribe. There will be uh, plenty more Vietnam uh, to come soon. And then I'm going up to Hanoi to check that out. But uh, yeah, if you're a city guy, you're going to love Saigon. So let me ask you this. If you're a brand new digital nomad, this is your first time traveling, first time to Asia, uh, what city would you recommend someone if they're like me and they're just trying to bootstrap their money and get started what city would you think that you recognize
1: Chiang Mai definitely Chiang Mai definitely across
0: the board guys Kai said the same thing I say the same thing because Chiang Mai is less of a uh, culture shock because it's way more chill and slow Um, so get started in Chiang Mai and then uh, come check this place out when you're ready Um, but Chiang Mai is very cheap Guy and Evan, two of my best buddies from Chiang Mai that I met there, lived off $600 per month. Uh, now, I lived off about 1000 because I like to drink beer. So those two guys, they don't drink beer, they don't go out and party, you know, we partied about two nights a week, typical, uh, spent around 1000 bucks a month. Uh, so Chiang Mai is beautiful, but this place is uh, awesome as well. How long do you plan on staying here now, what you meant?
1: Probably be here for another three months, more or less. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's liking it, to say the least. Yeah, I love Saigon. Saigon's amazing. Uh, What
0: surprised you the most about Saigon, and what do you like about
1: it? There's a lot I like about it. The thing that surprised me the most was I was expecting it to feel more like Bangkok, and it doesn't. It's very distinct. Um, When you compare Bangkok to to Saigon, Bangkok is more developed, and it's more... It's firmly planted on the tourist trail, and there are a lot of tourists that come to, to Saigon as well, especially on Boy Vien. Uh but not as much as Bangkok. And that comes across in the locals. The locals here are, are a lot more open, and um, yeah, that's the first thing that stood out to me. And the thing I like about it, I mean, the list goes on and on, man. Food is great. Women are amazing. Um, you can find anything you want here. Rooftop bars to dive bars, you know, the always something going on every single day of the, the week, you know, if you're into you know, going out and having fun. Locals are super friendly. You can make local friends as opposed to some other places where I've stayed where basically you're limited to the expats. You know, local. Sometimes locals can be pretty um, closed off. Uh, here it's different so you can actually get fairly integrated into the community here yeah so uh, and optimizing super easy dude I mean most places where you rent them you could have laundry service like laundry services included um, if you're if you're grinding it out you could have food delivered pretty much any restaurant in the whole city delivers to the place you know super cheap um, yeah it's paradise
0: yeah oh he just said paradise people he just Ed, said paradise. Don't sleep on Saigon. Yeah, uh, it's only uh, five dollars for a beer at this uh, location where we're at. This is the Pullman Hotel rooftop bar. It's also five dollars for uh, a coffee if you want to go to the top of the Saigon uh, the, the Texco Tower, which is uh, right here, the big tall skyscraper there. We were just there the other day. I have a video of that. You can check it out. Um, we kind of do the the cafe uh, cafe of the day lifestyle. Um, where where's what's been your daily work? schedule, where do you work, co-working spaces, what you, cafes?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I prefer I prefer co-working spaces. So the one I've been working out of here in Saigon has been in the Batexco building. They have a place called Nest, um, so I'm usually perched there. And it's a walking co-working space, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so super easy. I mean, you go in, you buy coffee, you don't have any type of membership fee, and uh, everybody there is, is working on something, so the uh, internet is fast, strong. Yeah, good place to get it done
0: yeah I I agree Uh, if you guys are just starting uh, just starting your business I also recommend like co-working spaces because you can meet other people that are doing the same thing hopefully similar stuff to you and you can uh, pick their brains hold each other accountable um, blah 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 exciting news digital nomads around the world in Saigon Uh, Dreamplex Asia's number one co-working space it's three floors it's huge they have a game room Uh, unlimited desk space, I have a video of that, you can check that out. Uh, It just came out, I was just there a few days ago, you should definitely check it out. Um, The membership fee right now is uh, two million dong, which is a hundred dollars. That's a grand opening special, and that's for the next six months. Um, If you buy it now, the price is good for the next six months. Regular price is $175 a month, but before you say that's too much, watch my video because it literally is a dreamplex. It's a dream co-working space. They have a PS3 and a, a game room with couches where you can just kick up your feet and you know get that blood back to your brain instead of sitting in the desk like this right. all day. So check out Dreamplex. Um, supposedly it's the number one co-working space in Asia, state of the art facility. Um, so check that out. But I definitely recommend if you're new to a city, check out the co-working spaces just to meet similar minds. Because um, me personally, being around people that are on the same mission as you, that's the key to success. Um, so rapid-fire, Tim Ferriss-type questions, philosophical-type questions. Sure. Back to you dropped out of college. What would you say overall was the key to you uh, making it online? What was the key to success? What was that one life hack? Or that one uh, golden moment? Or that one thing that you learned that made it a reality? Made it work? That one key puzzle piece.
1: I would say... I would say it was a shift. A shift in focus. So, for most of my life, I was very driven by results, immediate results, and that kept me locked in situations where I can get results fast. Once I started focusing on process over event, that's when I started getting real traction. Uh, when uh, when your, your objective changes, your priorities change. So as an online business owner, especially in the beginning, it's incredibly difficult because you're plowing money into the business and sometimes you're not getting an immediate return unless you're in you know, certain industries of articles or articles whatever. But a lot of times it's hard to make that initial, to make that leap of faith. But um, if you're focused on process, it doesn't feel like a leap of faith anymore because you're not looking at it as a once-off thing, like I need this to work immediately. You say, alright, I'm gonna make this this system work. And even if the immediate results aren't uh, 100% what I want, it's just data. You know, I'm using that to course correct. So that one shift in mentality, I think, is, has been a, like, the biggest thing for the success that I have now. Wow.
0: Going from immediate results to building a system that runs itself, yeah. a system that works. That's the key Process shift. over event, man. Process sure. over event. Wow, that's amazing advice. Um, So, 4-Hour Workweek. There's a lot about that in the 4-Hour Workweek, okay? Going from direct sale, direct commissions, to building a system that's working. So, if there's anything you learn from this podcast, the 4-Hour Workweek, definitely check that out. I like the audiobook. I still have it on my phone. I listen to chapters all the time. Hmm. What's one piece of advice... uh, that you could give to someone that wants to travel and, and work remotely getting started? A piece of advice for people out there?
1: Mm. Get around the right people in any way, shape or form. I mean, if even if you're stuck in a job right now in the States, find a co-working space in your city. Most cities have them. Uh, get around people that are living the type of lifestyle that you want to emulate. Just being around that force will change everything.
0: People on the same mission. Yeah. So if people don't know, there's something called Meetup.com. Yeah. And huge. that's a good place to meet. There's like in Seattle, there's a four-hour workweek, location-independent uh, meetup. So go to Meetup.com and search uh, e-commerce, uh, online business, entrepreneurship. And so if you can't travel and go to a conference abroad, check that out. Um, I think we would both recommend, if you're going to move to a new country, attend a conference. Definitely. Um, If not in another country, attend a conference in America. Like, go to the conferences in Vegas. Like, it'd be worth it, no matter where you live, to go to Vegas and go to that e-commerce conference, Um, go to that affiliate conference, go to whatever you're into. Go to the conference and just make tons of friends, Um, and just be yourself, because add them on Facebook. You know, just adding them on Facebook will change your life, because now now you're seeing what they're doing on Facebook and it kind of rubs off like our friends on Facebook is now scattered across the world and it's the coolest thing ever Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a self-feedback as we travel more we get more traveling friends and our Facebook feeds get more and more traveling photos and that leads to us want to travel more so once you come out here and start traveling like it's kind of doesn't make sense why you would want to go back to like a sedentary, repetitive schedule. No. It's kind of like once you, once you break free, why why go back? Mm-hmm. So it's amazing that we're both out here. You're gonna be in Saigon for maybe three more months. Yeah. Um, plans after that? You ever, anything in the sights, or we play how it goes.
1: Sky's the limit, man. Who knows?
0: Sky is the limit. <laughs> Woo! You Who don't knows? even know. So let's see, uh, five years from now, what's the vision? Like you, you have a team member, what's the vision for your, your, uh, your Google AdWords business, uh, agency? Yeah. What's, what's your five year vision? Where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself still traveling, nomading around? Um, do you see yourself having a big team of, a big team, big agency, what's kind of your vision with the, going forward with the business?
1: Yeah, so five years from now, the goal is massive scale. I consider myself more a direct response marketer than an AdWords man or a sales copywriter. So finding channels where I can sell other products and other services is going to be the next goal. Um, I'm still going to be living the nomad lifestyle. I'm a global citizen at this point. And one, like global you citizen? Yeah, dude. Woo, you and, said it. Like you mentioned, once you once you have a taste of the lifestyle, it's, it's impossible to go back to being... Planted in one place, man. I mean, the world's too big and amazing. And yeah, so five years from now, I'll still be doing that and pushing it to the next level, man.
0: Hell yeah, man. It's like move, moving up in the apartment.
1: Yeah, damn sure. You know,
0: now we're living on the, you know, let's say 15th floor. Maybe in five years, we can get up to living in the top of the Pullman Hotel. You know, who oh, knows? If, if you're into that type of stuff, if you're not into spending money on hotels, then maybe you can spend money on more flights per year. You know, visit your family for Thanksgiving and Christmas, maybe. You know, whatever. But you know, money gives you gives you options. Uh, cash flow definitely gives you options. So that's really exciting, man. Um, you had mentioned last night that you plan on creating your own product. What type of product, and why do you want to own your create your own product?
1: Yeah. So I'm starting with an info product, an information product, uh, and the reason for that. Two reasons. Um, First, because it's an easy entrance. Most people, if you've been alive for longer than two decades, um, you have some type of knowledge that other people would be willing to pay you for. Ah. Um, And the best thing about an information product is the margins are amazing. You create it once and you get paid for it over and over again. Yes, sir. You don't got to buy materials. You don't got to worry about warehouses. You don't got to worry about fulfillment. You just have this thing that prints money. Um, If you know how to drive traffic to that thing, uh, you can do really well. So that's what I'm going to be starting with. Uh, I'll be launching that within the next three months, putting it together now. It's going to be a video course, specifically about uh, AdWords lead generation, and uh, from there I'll branch out into other things.
0: Awesome. You had mentioned uh, physical products as well. Um, why, Why even get into physical products if you can do an information product?
1: Physical products, in my opinion, are... So there's two different things
0: that that, uh, appeal to me
1: about physical products. Number one, it's a lot easier or or harder to replicate. Even though some physical products can be commoditized, um, they are intimidating. To new people coming into the space.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of scary to go to go the whole factory dealing with the factory thing. Yeah.
1: Right. And ponying up the money, man. I mean, most yeah. people don't want to drop five k, or ten k, or twenty k to buy inventory. It's a it's a scary thing. And uh, anytime in any business, you can create a barrier to entry to other people. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a very good thing. Um, info products, of course, they're easy to create. So once somebody makes the mental leap, it's just a matter of sitting down with the pen and paper or a recorder or a camera, and you can make it happen. So the barrier to entry is less in terms of fulfillment, product creation. Yeah. Physical products are different. So you can create a barrier around the physical product manufacturing process. And if you can also do the same on the traffic side of things, you end up being in a pretty good position.
0: Nice. Uh, so physical product, do you plan on... Pick your brain about physical products, kind of how you see the business. Because I'm in the physical product business. I sell uh, a product on Amazon. Mm. Uh, I sell my branded product on Amazon. Do you plan on doing the Amazon method or do you plan on doing your own uh, own traffic? Uh, Personally,
1: I plan on starting with my own traffic just because it's uh, it's an easy pivot pivot from what I'm doing right now yeah, when I, I already have a ton of e-commerce clients and yeah. how the space works so uh, I'll be shooting my own traffic to it and I won't be limited to that though I mean why not do do Amazon stuff yeah why not it makes
0: money why not do it yeah so open every source that I can totally, to go. it's crazy when you get into the world of online business there's so many different methods to, to monetize it's like we're still so young uh, looking into the future, and the internet is not even... The internet is growing exponentially. So it's kind of like, sometimes they get almost overwhelmed, like there's so many possibilities. Not only just travel, but with where the internet is going. And ways to make money on the internet, because the, the economy is the internet now. Transactions. What is it, like 15% of all shopping have to happen online now? And that's only gonna get bigger and bigger. Obviously, every year is a record for mobile purchases. People are now buying from their phones. Mm-hmm. In a few years, we're going to be buying with our voice yeah. on Amazon. Amazon's little robot thing. Hey, order me, uh, order me some Cheerios, or order me, uh, you know, a, a new pack of white T-shirts, or whatever it may be. We're in, we're in a, we're, We are living in an amazing time, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. And it's uh, what a time to be alive, <laughs> as you said last night. So, uh, wow, stay tuned, uh, a lot more travel videos coming your way, guys. I, this is only my freshman year, start of my sophomore year traveling. Um, and uh, yeah, sky is the limit, like you said. So thanks for sitting down with me, man. Great story, man, we have a lot in common. That's, uh, we both were knocking doors, went from knocking doors to automated e-commerce systems. And we're both living, it's like, oh, man, it's just crazy mm-hmm. that we met Thanksgiving. It's like, <laughs> put yourself around the right people and stuff will start to happen. Mo, hi, bye, yo. See you guys soon. Thanks for listening till the end. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and a review. See ya.